Welcome to tour number 106 of Disney Conversations. I'm your host, Master Matthew. On this week's show, I am joined by guest co-host Lori Harding, and we are going to discuss ways you can celebrate the 100th anniversary of Disney animation by not going to the parks. It was a good conversation. I'm glad she was able to join me. I hope you get some useful information from this so you can decide for yourself how you might celebrate the Disney 100th anniversary. I hope you're ready for a good ride because this train is on its way. All aboard! Well, hello, tourists. Magical Matthew here. Summer is upon us. And with that, go to crowds to the Disney parks. If you're like me, you check that crowd several times a day and find out that rides are, well, the wait times are just getting crazy. And for some of us, as much as we'd like to be in the parks, even in the busy times, it's just not possible, especially with the way prices are going right now. Some of us are just having to save a little longer to take that trip. But what if you want to celebrate the Disney 100th anniversary celebrating Disney animation? Well, I've got with me our good friend, Lori Harding, and she and I are going to talk about some ideas and how you might be able to enjoy some of that outside of the parks. Hi, Lori. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me back. I'm glad to have you back. It's We've developed a really good friendship over the years, and uh, you know we have that love for Disney in common, so that's an even tighter binding than most other things. I'm really <laughs> glad to have you here. Anytime. Disney has been doing some various things around the country to bring more awareness to the Disney 100 celebration. And I got to experience one of those last week. I want to talk about that a little bit. And then there's one that neither one of us has experienced yet, although I'm trying to figure out a way to shoehorn that into my vacation. Since I'm going to be <laughs> sort of close logistically. But I don't know if okay, I can pull that off. Just close, but okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to be closer to you in two weeks than I'm going to be to home. Fair. And that's closer to Philadelphia than I am from here. Fair. But our routing doesn't take me anywhere near Philadelphia, so I'm not no, sure how this is not working. not at all. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay. Okay. For those of you who don't know, I'm a Buckeye. I live in Columbus, Ohio. I work at State University, and um, well, we had a an experience here in town that's been around for the last couple of months, and it's been extended through August. And I wanted to share a little bit about that because it's not just in my town. They've had several cities throughout North America that are having a similar experience, and it's called the Disney Animation Immersive Experience. Now, some of those have come and gone. There are still a few going on around the country, and you just need to get online and figure out what's close to you if it's still taking place. It is a little pricey, but I have also seen discounts come out along the way since I bought my ticket. I want to talk about that a little bit. Lori, have you heard anything about this? I have, and looked at it quickly and realized that the closest city it's coming to near me is Boston. So odd to me that it's not coming near new york at all but it is what it is <laughs> so we kind of put it on the back burner as one of those yeah well maybe things but decided against it i think initially like you said the price of it's a little bit on the steeper side so yeah. 
to drive four plus hours for me kind of didn't fit in with the idea of it, but it definitely looked interesting. When we first walked in, I have to admit that the venue that it's at here in town, it's not very impressive to look at from the outside. It's just brick and glass, but it's an exhibition area, so I guess it doesn't have to look pretty to get people inside. To begin with, I first found out about this in August, and the moment I found out about it, I jumped and I bought tickets. I bought tickets for myself, my wife, and my daughter, who you met last year, Yeah. as well as my cousin, who I hold responsible for my addiction to Disney because <laughs> he got me started. He and I are more than cousins. We're best friends. We're more like brothers. So I bought a ticket for him, and he was, well... A little overjoyed that I did that, I guess, because he wasn't expecting it. That does mean that I paid full price, which by the time they got done with fees and everything was around 52 bucks a piece. At first, I didn't think that was too bad of a price because, hey, it's Disney. You expect it to cost more. But then I started to notice over the months that they were starting to advertise discounts. And the one thing I didn't like about the way this was set up was I had no way to go in after I made the purchase to edit my reservation or to even contact somebody and say, hey, I paid full price, but you're offering this discount. I don't know if they would have done anything. Probably not, but I would have tried. But my anticipation grew over the months and my cousin kept feeding me things because he was excited about it too. To give you a little background, he's, he's not the healthiest and it's hard for him to get around unless by some miracle we can figure out a way to get him there. He's probably not going to see a Disney park again, which saddens me. I don't know. I might come up with a way to help that happen a little bit, maybe. If there's a will, there's a way. Yes, Figure it out. exactly. <laughs> we picked him up. We drove up to the venue. And this we did this on Memorial Day. I expected the place to be crowded being a holiday. It was not. There were plenty of parking spaces. We even found one that still had a little bit of shade. We parked. We walked in. They never really officially checked us in. They looked at my tickets and said, yeah, go on back. There's a pre-show area that was kind of nice. It had some memorabilia. It had displays. It had a lot of stuff that, you know, talks about Walt Disney and his dreams and how he and Roy worked to get things started. The first thing that I noticed was a sign out front that said, as Walt Disney once said, imagination is the mold from which reality is created. And I believe that that is something that he lived by his entire life. The 100-year celebration is the celebration of the year that Walt and Roy founded the Disney Brothers Cartoon Studio in 1923. I think that's a pretty significant date in Disney history, don't you, Lori? Oh, absolutely, because none of the rest of this would be there if that wasn't started when it was. Had to start someplace. And in all this, I still don't think Roy gets enough credit because Walt couldn't have done half of what he tried to accomplish if he didn't have Roy by his side. But Roy, as his big brother, believed in what the little brother was dreaming and wanted to help it become reality. So he jumped in and took care of the finances. I like that. Got to keep his little brother in check. That's right. <laughs> or try. <laughs> So just to give you a little background, the Walt Disney Company grew from a small shared storefront on Kingswell Avenue in Los Angeles into the multinational corporation we know it to be today. And it continues to function that way under the name of Walt Disney Animation Studios. They are responsible for creating synchronized sound 
from the late 1920s. They basically invented the multi-plane camera in the 30s, and they continued to create all the way up to the digital tools that they use today to put their their animated features together with. But the one thing that's that they really talked about most in just about every sign they had around was the importance of story. That the technology really meant nothing if what they created didn't tell a tale. You got any of those uh tales that you particularly like from back then? I am a I mean, I don't know how far back we're going, but Peter Pan is my favorite of the old quote time quoting mm-hmm. <laughs> old time Disney's Cinderella I always loved as a kid. Pinocchio scared the you know what out of me. Um, <laughs> Bambi terrified me for a while. You know, we have to kill every Disney cartoon mother in the first five minutes of any movie we have. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. But Peter Pan is the one that sticks with me forever. Tinkerbell is my absolute favorite. So, well, we know that Disney has created some of the best known characters ever in animation. Obviously, starting with Mickey and Minnie when Walt first introduced them in Steamboat Willie. But, you know, even up through the more modern movies, uh, Encanto, Coco, pick one. I mean, you know, there's there's a ton of them. Story has always been the important part. I put off watching Encanto. I didn't go see it. I'm trying to remember. That one was supposed to come out in the theater, I think, but that was pandemic era so i think then that one goes straight to disney plus it may have i have to be honest i haven't watched it yet i need to but i have not watched it yet i sat a few weeks ago and re-watched a bunch of those movies uh, that was one of them it's got all the feels to it it definitely does uh, the music is fabulous the music is fabulous and i don't care what they say we need to talk more about bruno so. <laughs> oh wait I have watched Encanto. It's Coco I haven't watched. Oh, okay. I, that, that, my brain is like, it's Saturday morning. So. <laughs> uh, I get that. I have watched Encanto. Yep. I have not watched uh, I get that. I have not watched Coco yet. In this area out here, you're revisiting a lot of the characters, old and new. You're reading about a number of the Imagineers that were a part of developing these technologies. Mary Blair is mentioned very prominently. And to be honest, she was the most prominent one that I recognized of the ones that put out there. And we know that Mary Blair, not only did she work on the animated features, but she helped with some of the features in the parks in the early days as well. She was a very versatile artist. It's still apparent in the parks today when you walk in. So then there's one other thing in the pre-show area that we found interesting. And if you've been to a Disney park, you may have had the opportunity to sit in on a character drawing exercise. Well, they don't have anybody leading these at the immersive experience, but they had several tables set up with sketch paper and pencils that were worn down to the nub and no erasers. (laughs) And they've got step-by-step guides on these tables, how to draw Mickey and Donald and Goofy and Pluto and a number of others. My wife took the time to sketch a Donald, and it looked really well. She did a really good job. I tried to sketch whatever I could, and I nah, it wasn't it. It wasn't even dartboard worthy. That's how bad it was. <laughs> did you ever do it in the parks? No, and I'd like to, 
I think what I would have to do is I'm left-handed and a lot of, most people are right-handed. Gotcha. And I, I realized after we left there, if I could reverse the order, if I could do it the way a left-handed person might do it, I might've done a better job at it. Okay. I've done it once okay. in the parks when it was still in Hollywood studios. I have a dopey in a frame downstairs. It was so fun. And we've tried, you know, we went last time to go do it in, it's up in Rafiki's Planet Watch now in Animal Kingdom. Yeah. But our timing was off and we missed it. But it was very fun. And I was like, I can't draw for anything. And my dopey looks like dopey. So, and FYI, you didn't get erasers there either. <laughs> <laughs> it would have helped if the pencil at least been sharpened. I couldn't find a good sharp pencil at all. That stinks. Uh, I might have just been in the wrong pile. I don't know. Wouldn't be a first yeah. time. <laughs> and so, and so, like I said, there were the the lobby, the pre-show area was nicely put together for what it was. Uh, we had about an hour to kill before our showtime. When you buy your tickets, you designate what time you want to arrive. Okay. Because the exhibition itself does have a limit as to how many people they can have in the exhibition hall. Now, when you walk in to the exhibition itself. You look around the floor, and some people called it stardust. I called it pixie dust. Of course. Sparkling all over the floor. The floor looked like, you know how it looks when you walk through Cinderella's castle, and you look down, and you got the the kind of brick flagstone-type walkway going through there? Yeah. They simulated that on the carpet. And as you walked totally. across, the pixie dust separated and surrounded your, your shadow or you however it hit. And the cool thing about that was, is it took me back to Epcot Center in 1982 at the original Imagination Pavilion. They had an area called Image Works that you would fade into once you got off the Dreamfinder attraction. Okay. You would walk through the rainbow arches that would make noise when you'd step through. They'd, they'd sing to you, basically. The uh, colors would change along the way. And then there was another little hallway where they had colored dots on and you'd step on it and it would make noise. But sometimes they would move with you as well. So this effect kind of reminded me of that, but on a grander scale, which just shows me that when it comes to Disney, they never give up an idea. They just make it better. Yeah, they move it from one level to the next, depending upon, you know, they move the technology up as everything else moves. Right. So when you walk in, there are benches all over the place. It's not tightly knit, so I I think they do limit the number of people into each show. I don't know what that limit is. I would say with kids and adults, we may have had 100 people in there, but the room was so big you didn't notice. Okay. And there were several spots around the wall where it was, it was basically repeated scenes like eight times. But there were little sparkles on the wall. There was a... Uh, um, a picture of a, a gold Mickey statue similar to the 50th anniversary one that was on the wall. There was a, like a music stand and a bookshelf and stuff. And when the show was getting ready to start, all the pixie dust just kind of sparkled up the walls and disappeared. And a book flew off the shelf, set itself on the music stand and opened up like so many of the classic movies did. When it was time to tell the story. That was a cool effect. And then the Mickey statue would come to life and he'd show up in his Sorcerer Mickey outfit. 
and welcome everybody to this experience. Now, for me, that's a lot. And it was the classic Mickey. It wasn't the new style animation. And I appreciated that because I like that version better than the new one. I did as well. So then as the, the introduction is going on, I'm sure this will shock you. The song playing was A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. Just like an open title. Yeah. And then that stops. And then all of a sudden, everything goes dark. And the sun starts coming up to Circle of Life. And they basically play the entire opening sequence from Lion King. The floor takes on a different look. It's got that African, sandy, jungly kind of look on the floor. Okay. But everywhere you look, it's all Lion King stuff going on. And it's all around you, right? It's 360, like all around you on the walls yeah. and stuff? Yeah. And the, okay. the same scene is taking place like four different times around. And that makes okay. sense. Depending on which direction you're yeah, looking. The, yeah. The room was really big. There's no way you're going to see the whole wall at once. I think it was sections so that groups together would see it. Right. But as I was looking around, I realized, you know, I wasn't missing anything by not looking around. Okay. What I needed to see was within my peripheral or closer. Gotcha. And then after that was done, it goes into Try Everything from Zootopia. And it goes through a number of animated features showing basically the main characters chasing after their dreams, going after what they want, sacrificing everything to get there, basically. So this whole thing had a story, and and I'm not going to give it all away because if somebody wants to go see this, I want them to experience fresh for themselves. But we did look up the playlist afterwards because I couldn't write down fast enough what was being played. What was going by. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I was getting engrossed in what was going on. I'm like, out oh, of heck with this. From After Try Everything, and went to a whole new world. They brought in uh, parts of different features that fit that song somehow. And then they go to Encanto. We don't talk about Bruno. I still don't know why they didn't talk about Bruno. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> then they went to The Little Mermaid. They played Under the Sea and Poor Unfortunate Souls. And every time they play Poor Unfortunate Souls, I just have to stop and think of Pat Carroll. Because she voiced Ursula. For so many years. And even still, even though she's gone, they find ways to piece together some of her audio and make something different out of it. To me, that's fun. And then, they let's see, from there they went to Colors of the Wind. You Can Fly from Peter Pan. They did First Flight out of Big Hero 6. I have to say that on, on that wall, as big as it was, the Big Hero 6 thing was impressive. Oh, yeah. I bet. I mean, you see Baymax 10 times as big as I am. You can't miss him. <laughs> he's, big to, he's big to begin with. So <laughs> Yeah. So that projection was even bigger. And then they go to Tangled, I See the Light. From there, we got to throw in the Princess and the Frog. They did almost there. And then they threw one in that I'm pretty sure a lot of people didn't know. And I knew it was from a Fantasia, but it wasn't the Fantasia. It was the Firebird Suite out of Fantasia 2000. Folks, I got to confess, I've never seen that one. I think I might need to sit down and watch it. I don't know if I have either. I don't think I have. I know I haven't. Well, Disney Plus for a reason. <laughs> Let's hope that's not one they've taken off. And then they play the stampede scene from The Lion King. Well, the music, uh, through those scenes, they basically show, show the tragedies and some of the more evil characters from the okay. movies. Um, and then there's Hellfire from Hunchback. I am Moana. 
I'll let you guys guess which movie that's from. <laughs> Show Yourself from Frozen 2. I got to stop there for a minute. Frozen 2. I loved the music out of that movie so much. I don't know what it was. I guess it felt more grown up to me in in general. But I actually found myself relating to a couple of the songs in that movie. Maybe for me, it, that's, it kind of pulled at me. And then from that, they go to all of you again from Encanto. And it finishes with When You Wish Upon a Star out of Pinocchio. Not a bad musical lineup if you want to give people a fairly good idea of where Disney's been. The, the only thing that worries me is that the only classic one is You Can Fly from Peter Pan, A Dream is a Wish from a Cinderella, and and, and yeah. Wish Upon a Star. Yeah, but. It sure seems to me like they could have sprinkled a couple of more classics in there to just to kind of round it up. But it's okay. I I got nothing against any of these movies that they chose. Do you? I don't think so. It sounds like it's a pretty wide spectrum from early to end. Like you said, there could be some more of the classic stuff, but then you have to wonder too, are they doing that because it's a mass like more people have heard the newer things potentially than are the people who go back all the way through the classics like some of us do. That's so true. If you're trying to get a wider audience, you're gonna pull the families that have younger kids that have seen all the newer things. Well and that's the thing with a venue like this, there were a ton of kids and that's what you expect. Any of us who love Disney, we're just big kids at heart anyway. Fair. <laughs> you know, they're trying to draw in the parents of the younger kids and they're trying to reintroduce them to the Disney magic. In some way, from that perspective, I think this particular experience can do that. And maybe it has. I do have to say that for me, it's not a repeatable experience for me. I'm glad I did it. Yeah. If it doesn't change, if you've seen it and paid attention, do you need to see it a second time? Right. At that, per, at that, at that kind of price. Yeah. That's just, if it was half the price. And somebody knew was coming into town was a Disney fan. I'd do it again. Okay, I would do it again if it was twenty five bucks with fees. I would probably. <laughs> I would probably if if it's twenty. Let's put this in car salesman terms. If it was twenty five bucks out the door, I'd buy it. Okay, because it's worth that much. Spending time out in the the lobby area, the pre show area. I think that's critical to understanding a lot of what we might see when we get inside. But people have to take the time to stop and read pretty much everything there. But one of the things they did display out there, I forgot about this. I want They had a map of the world. And on this map, they had little lines that went to small, I, I assume they're iPads. They were being used as monitors. And they had scenes from the movies that took place in the different geographical areas of the world. Oh, neat. They had one that we couldn't figure out right away okay. until it got the one scene, and that was Rhea. I don't know if you've seen that one yet. If you haven't, it's worth a look. Okay. But we were able to figure out what all the other ones were. I fully endorse the idea that Disney is a worldwide company. They use the world as a way to develop their stories. And I applaud that effort all the way around. They do have venues all around the country. Dates are fading fast. If you want to check this out, go to www.lighthouseimmersive.com and check out the details. 
click a city near you and see if they've got dates and go. They've been offering a lot of discounts lately, so maybe you can get out, get in on it for that $25 we were talking about. <laughs> if you do that, it's worth it. I think it's very, very much worth it. But now I want to talk about some ways you can experience a 100-year celebration at home first before we go to the next area of the country, if that's okay with you. Works for me. You mentioned Disney Plus a little bit ago. I think that's the easiest way for us from home to enjoy the 100-year celebration. And if you had to recommend something for people to start with on Disney Plus, what do you think you would want to introduce them to? Yikes. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I think like Don't you love it when I come up with questions off the top of my head? <laughs> you couldn't have told me that beforehand? No, because I didn't know. <laughs> I mean, I think it's worth, I believe, and it's been a little bit, I haven't had my Disney Plus with in a while, I'm going to be honest, but I feel like there's a whole section that has the classics in it. Like you can look them up by the classics. And I would just start at the beginning if you've not watched all those old, like, yeah, I feel like every little girl knows who Cinderella is and they know who Aurora is, but I don't know that they've sat and watched all those movies. You got to go back to the very beginning stuff, I think, and start there. I think people should go back and watch the original Steamboat Willie Yeah, to help them understand that before that, none of that technology Existed. was prevalent. Yeah. Walt invented the soundtrack capability. Right. He drew the original Mickey Mouse. And many, for that matter. Everything that was done in Steamboat Willie was done on a very strict budget. And it's not a very long piece. I sat down and watched it when I first got Disney Plus a couple of years ago. And I paid attention to the drawings behind the mm -hmm. characters. I just had to think back to that time and go, wow, that was really forward thinking. Well, yeah, at this point, that's a hundred you know, potentially plus years ago. Yes. That's insane to think that. And then you look at the, the more recent stuff and see what it's become. It's like, that's what, that, that that's where it started. And now look where we are. Right. Well, and, and to be honest, the computer generated stuff is impressive. I know it's opened up areas for a lot of people to get in the animation that might not have initially. Mm -hmm. But the one thing I, I gathered from this exhibition, and I suspect that when we talk about what's going on in Philadelphia here in a minute, that that would be equally, if not more impressive overall. But some of the plaques that they had hung up around the pre-show area talked about the process of animation, how they would hand paint each cell on a piece of glass and each scene had its own cell. I mean, there could be thousands of cells to make one scene. And then they would use the multi-plane camera, and it could take up to 12 people operating that to get the type of effect for distance, placement, or whatever, to get it all the way they wanted it to. It was a very drawn-out process, but I'm impressed that they were able to build something that big and make it work like that. Right. Well, with the technology they had at the time, which was pretty much nothing. Right. You know? And now they just sit at a computer and go, well, let's make the, uh, okay, there it is. I have to say, though, we've watched it in there on Disney Plus somewhere. There's the making of Frozen and or Frozen 2. Yep. And it's a whole behind the series thing. And it, like, I'm very much a person that, like, when I see, like, when I go on a ride at Disney anywhere, I want to see how it works too. Like I need to pick it apart and like that, that's just how I am. And that like 
the fact that it takes as long as it does take for them even to do these computer generated ones now is very interesting. Yes. So if if you haven't watched those, those are good to watch as well. And then you go watch the movie again and it makes you see it in a whole different, you know, from a whole different angle. Yeah, I agree. I did I did see that on Disney Plus and I watched it because I loved the movie so much mm-hmm. that actually watching the movie made me curious to watch that featurette about the making of it and how there were only a couple of times when the entire cast were together. A lot of it was in a booth by themselves. <laughs> yeah. And they interacted with recordings or there'd be somebody off microphone that would feed them the lines that takes them to where they need to go. Yep. And that's a process. And then, I'm one of the weird people that sits through the end credits. I don't read every name on there because, frankly, I can't see them all. Well, I'm like, go past it dang fast. Yeah. <laughs> but there's hundreds of people yeah. in the background putting these shows together. I'm like, good Lord. It's no wonder yeah. the movies cost so much because you figure each, if you average the cost of each one of those people, you're probably talking a hundred to $200,000 a piece. Depending, yeah. That's why, that's why the movie costs us. So we got to go to the movies and, Pay these people for the work they did, folks. And and that's another way we can uh, we can experience a Disney 100. All the new movies that are coming out have the Disney 100 logo on the front end of them with the castle. Go to the movie theater. I mean, let's face it. The movies they put out today, anyhow, are much better on the big screen. Very true. I think we better move on to the last piece because I don't want us to run overtime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're in charge. <laughs> we're we're going to jump in and talk about an experience that neither you nor I have had the opportunity to do yet. Although I'm trying to figure out a way. And that is the Disney 100 exhibition at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia. Now, similar to what I just went to, you buy tickets for a given time. Here's the funny thing. This exhibition at the Franklin is probably three times bigger than what I just went to. The cost is almost identical. And if you purchase a specific ticket too, you can go through the rest of the Institute as well. Right. Or you can just do the Disney 100, I believe. You can pick like one or the other. It's a separate cost. So if that's all you wanted to do, you could do that. Yeah. If I'm able to finagle something, that may be all I'll be given time to do. So Gotcha. But I don't know the, anyways. <laughs> this exhibition at the Franklin Institute is a celebration that, was created and is backed by the Walt Disney Archives. They claim that they will have more than 250 treasures, including artifacts, artworks, models, and drawing reproductions, along with costumes, props, and other memorabilia. I have to think that if Walt Disney Archives is backing this sucker up, it's going to be a really good display. It has to be if the archives are involved, because then you're getting things directly from the archives. They have some of the original sketches from Steamboat Willie. They have the spell book from Hocus Pocus that Bette Midler used, which I've never watched. But hey, that's okay. That's a shame. Yeah. That's what you need to go do on Disney Plus now. <laughs> They've got visual development art from films like The Little Mermaid, Princess and the Frog, Frozen, and Black Panther. And this is directly from their website. It says, this incredible exhibit will take guests on a remarkable journey from those earliest days in Disney into the dazzling future using seamless technology. It has a rich musical score and, of course, treasures from the Walt Disney Archives collection, 
And that's a quote from Becky Klein, who's the director of the archives. Again, they are offered as timed tickets. You choose the time that you want to enter. You are limited to the amount of people inside the exhibition at any time. I don't think you have a time limit, though, on how long you can be in there. Yeah, it doesn't say that. It does say it can take up to 25 minutes to actually enter the exhibit, depending on the volume of traffic. But I think you can wander at your own pace. It says, do not arrive early to the exhibit entrance, as it will only add time in the queue. So I guess you just wait and walk up when you're supposed to go in, and somehow you magically inside. Yeah. Strollers are welcome in the museum. Large strollers and non. Yeah, so the big stuff they don't want in there it takes up too much room. Daytime hours are 9.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. Last entry is at 3.30, Sunday through Wednesday, 4.30, Thursday through Saturday. And here it is. General admission for adults for the daytime hours is $45. That's pretty much what I paid for this immersive experience here. I think I would have much rather gone to the Franklin. <laughs> Travel time included, huh? <laughs> you know, I've never been to Philadelphia. There's more than that to look at. You know, I could camp out there, there for is. a few days. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I've never been to Philadelphia, so, you know, it'd be a whole new town for me. Well, you got to at least go past the Liberty Bell and wave, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's the uh, Disney 100 exhibition at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia. Is that something you want to go see, Lori? It is on our list this summer. I am about just about two hours from Philly. So it's a day trip for us. We could go down, do it, and come back without a problem. Yeah, if I, if I live that close, I'd have done that already. We just waiting on the timing of life. Yes. We're going to try to go on a weekday, so we're not in the summer weekend people stuff. And especially all the highways we'd have to take here to get there <laughs> are the same ones that everybody takes every weekend to go to the New Jersey shore. So... Got to avoid that at all costs. But um, it's definitely on the June slash July list. I believe they're there until the end of August. Yeah. Almost the end of August. Runs through August 27th. 27th. Yep. Okay. And it was 20-something. I just wasn't sure how far. It's like stops right before Labor Day. It, so. it could be extended, though, because some of these immersive experiences have. I feel like it's moving to another city. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I believe that's what I read. It's traveling the U.S. It's just starting in Philadelphia can't remember where i read that it was going next okay philadelphia is you know it's doable for me from here hey, if, it, if it gets within three much. hours of me i'm gone <laughs> well so then you have to sit on your road trip coming up and see is it three hours out of the way or not That's right what you exactly Lori, do you have any other ideas for people that they could do to celebrate the disney 100 i mean there's always a trip to disney we know that's a given um <laughs> I think for people who don't know as much about it, there's a ton of great books out there. I wouldn't have any off the top of my head. But if like you're a history person, there's a whole lot of history in the Disney stuff. I also like doing things like Mary Poppins is another one of my favorite all-time movies. Sure. So then I sit and after I watch Mary Poppins, have then sat down and watched Saving Mr. Banks because that is the backstory sort of yeah. to... Mary Poppins. Yep. And then I go back and watch Mary Poppins again. And boy, does it make you look at it completely different. I'm sure. Things like that. You know, I'm I'm very much uh, on Disney Plus watching all the behind the scenes stuff. You know, the whole Animal Kingdom, that whole series. The the one for the Imagineers on Disney Plus. Yes, I enjoyed that. that. I, I really enjoyed that. They had one on there that basically told you the backstory to all the parks. 
Yeah. I enjoyed that too. So yeah, I'm like you. I like stuff like that. I guess our recommendation to you is however you can fit Disney into it and celebrate the 100th anniversary, just do it. Just get it done. If you can afford a trip to the parks, go ahead. They've got lots of deals that they're offering right now, which tells me that the summer is kind of soft. So you might be able to get into some that that four day park ticket deal they got going. If I could figure out a place to stay for four days, I'd just take the clothes on my back and jump on the cheapest flight I could find. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like my 59 out of New York I found last week? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because, you know, I mean, it's it's 99 bucks a day. If I didn't have to pay $800 for the hotel room for those four days. But I got to tell you, too, the summer, I've seen a lot of the summer room rates are really low right now, too. Yeah, so yeah they are. Makes me a little sad I'm going when I am. But <laughs> I think you'll have better crowds then, though. I think oh, crowds I will be a that's, lot lighter. To me, that's what's worth it, yeah. All right, folks. I think that's going to do us on this tour of Disney Conversations. I hope you've enjoyed us talking about things you can do to celebrate the Disney 100 outside the parks. Until next time, we'll see you then. Thanks again, Lori. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Lori and I want to thank you for joining us on this week's tour of Disney Conversations. We've got some good stuff still coming, so we hope you'll stick around and share us with your friends. We'd really love to have them come aboard as well. For now, for everybody here at Disney Conversations, have a great week, and we'll talk to you again next time. PTFN, ta-ta for now. <laughs>